Rosie and Bill Show wish to thank our primary sponsors, The Mallon Agency, located in Springfield, PA, where they take pride in exceeding expectations every time. The Roselli Agency. Brian and his team of insurance professionals have been serving the needs of Chester County for more than two decades. Anthony DiCecco and our friends at Tennis Addiction are ready to serve all your tennis needs at their beautiful facility in Exton, PA. Welcome everyone to the Rosie and Bill Show. Our guest this week is living proof that faith, persistence, and hard work ultimately pay off. Add to that talent, likability, and humility, and you've got all the key ingredients needed for sustained success. Please welcome to the Rosie and Bill Show, the very first winner of Nashville Star and a man whose amazing voice has brought joy to fans around the world for decades, Buddy Jewel. Buddy, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. It's great to have you on, Buddy. It's nice to finally meet you. I was curious because I know you grew up in Arkansas and you started with music at a pretty young age. What drew you to that and specifically country music? Um, really, my dad was probably the biggest influence on me uh, with the kind of music I, I grew up listening to. You know, and he loved, um, you know, Marty Robbins, Johnny Horton, guys like that. Guys are great, great writers, great baritone voices. Um, my folks grew up with, with Johnny Cash and his family in a little town called Dias about 20 miles uh, west of where I grew up. And so dad was consequently a big cash fan as well. And just something I fell in love with at an early age, you know. Did they sing? Did your parents sing or play instruments? And do you have siblings who play? You know, ironically, uh, not really. Dad Dad had a, a beautiful singing voice, but he never sang uh, really in public. I'd hear him, you know, singing. We just tinkering on an old car or working on something at the house. And, uh, and like I said, he loved music. Mom, um, I tried to play the piano. <laughs> a funny story about mom. I, I sang a song at church one uh, sweet hour of prayer one day, and I and I called my mom and said, "Hey, mama, sang your favorite song at church today." And she said, "What? What? What did you sing?" And I said, "Sweet hour of prayer." And she said, "Well, that's not my favorite song." And I said, "You used to play it on the piano all the time." And she said, "Well, that's the only song I knew how to play on the piano." So <laughs> that's all she could play. But really, uh, nobody else. Uh, I had a couple of uncles who kind of taught me a few chords on the guitar early on, and. And they were the ones who did, you know, I guess more than anything, kind of helped me get started playing music. That's sweet. And that's sweet that you paid attention to what your mother played all the time, even though it wasn't her favorite song. <laughs> and Buddy, one thing that I thought was really impressive, too, was that, you know, growing up, you were really well-rounded as a young man. You played multiple sports in addition to being involved with music all the way through uh, your years in college at Arkansas State was there was there anything in particular any moment or event that caused you to say hey you know what I think music that, that that's the career that I want to pursue well um being a I, um a red-blooded American boy I <laughs> when I was in college I got involved in a campus-wide uh, talent uh contest and I came in second and after that the girls seemed to pay a little more attention to me so that probably helped push me in the, in the music direction. It certainly didn't hurt uh, me, my decision to go that way for sure. That's so funny. You know, we often ask that question like a lot. Of, with I ask it more, I think, with the the male guests than the, the female guests. When when the guys come up in in elementary school playing an instrument or singing, I'm like, so did you have groupies like at a young age? You know, <laughs> right. <laughs> That's great, but you know. As artists, 
or most artists anyway, unless you're really, really lucky, have to have what we call survival jobs. And we understand yeah. that you did your share. You drove a beer truck. You you worked as a bouncer. And then yeah. finally, what was it in 1997? You were recording a lot of demo reels. I mean, demo um, demos. And we understand that you recorded over 600. What was that yeah, like? Just that, yeah, just in that one year, I, I, I started singing demos probably about 1994. And um, I quit counting at 4,000. But the biggest year I had, I recorded 663 in 97. Um, and that was, you know, I, it, it was that's an astronomical number. You know, it's two songs a day, basically, or close to it. Uh, but a lot of days I might record 10 in a day. And it was kind of feast or famine. I might have, you know, 30 songs do one week and three the next. You know, it just depended on, you know, how things are going. And um, I guess in 97, you know, the, the guys were really still uh, – kind of dominate the charts and then you go fast forward a year or two and you got you know shania and and uh, faith hill and and all these uh all the ladies stepping up and so my demo work went down when the girls started becoming six really um beating the guys on the charts uh you 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 know my income suffered <laughs> but uh it was all good I, I i gained a lot of great studio experience doing that and uh and was able to use it you know in my recording career well i i wanted to follow up with that what were the pros and cons to that? Because I imagine you made connections doing that, but were there ever concerns that that is the only way you were going to be seen in the industry? Well, you know, by the time that, you know, I, I, you know, been turned down by several record labels, you know, just about all of them uh, on more than one occasion. And, um, and I felt like, you know, Harlan Howard had told me one time and I was doing some work for him. He said, uh, he said, you know, just hang in there, kid. You said, you, you'll outlast them. Uh, you just stay, keep at it, and somebody will wake up and, and sign you to a deal. And so I had, you know, guys like that that were, you know, in my corner. And, and I worked for just about every major writer in town at, back in the 90s. But I, I wasn't too concerned about uh, them, you know, saying, oh, he's just a demo singer. The biggest problem I had was these guys would go and play the, the uh other writers or, or publishing companies to go play the songs I'd recorded for the labels. And they knew who I was. They would stop the tape or whatever. And that day um, in the middle of the song, go, there's Buddy Jewel singing it. Man, he's a great singer. But then they wouldn't say, maybe I should sign him to a record deal. So I, I, I dealt with a lot of that. And, uh, and it did, it got to, there got to be a point where I thought, man, maybe this is the only thing I'm ever going to be able to do. But I was providing a good living for my family and my wife had a great job. And so I kind of got to the point where um, I, I tried to be content uh, with the idea of just being the best demo singer I could be. And and praise God, he had other things in store for me. So, um, uh, Well, you know, and then I'll let Bill uh, jump in here in a second. But I just want to point out that I heard a story that that I don't know if you ever watched the Carol Burnett show, but they would have Tim Conway on as a guest artist all the time and they loved him and it never occurred to them to just hire him as a cast member until finally years later, like, why don't we just, why don't we just have this guy as part of the cast? What are we doing? And they, then they did, but it's, yeah. it's like the obvious is staring people in the face sometimes and they just don't see it. 
Yeah, I you know, and I mean, I'm I'm never going to be on the front of GQ magazine, but I, some a lot of the comments I got back was you know they would say you know he didn't, he doesn't look like a star, and I'm like, well, what does a star look like? Because I was looking around, and some of the guys were getting deals, and they weren't much prettier or uglier than I am, you know, and so um, and it just didn't make sense to me. But it's you know all God's timing, and it all happened when it's supposed to. Yeah, and I'll tell you, buddy, one of the things that, that amazed me, because I, I knew I remembered back from um, the topic I'm going to get into next, that, that you had done a lot of great demo work. And, and, you know, when you are a demo singer, you've got to make those songs sound good or they're not going to see the light of day. So they have to sound good when you're doing them. And back in 95, I did a whopping four demos myself that year, which was one more than I did the year before. Nowhere near the 4,000. And I'm pretty sure if that was like, if there's like a Guinness World Book of Records, uh, you know, event in demo singing, you've got to hold the record. And that to me, I said earlier about just hard work, perseverance, persistence, all those things that you just stuck with it and kept doing what you were doing. Things changed for you when, as we understand it, your wife encouraged you to audition for a brand new show that USA was going to be coming out with that mm -hmm. thousands of people around the country also auditioned for, but only 12 people made the cut. So what was it like for you to take that leap of faith and, and audition? And what was it like early on in that process with Nashville star? Well, I, I almost didn't go audition. A, a friend of ours at church was initially the one who had brought the subject of the TV show up and then, uh, the day that they're going to hold the big cattle call downtown Nashville, I had a really pretty heavy studio schedule that week. And I remember calling my wife and saying, I'm not going to do this goofy TV thing. You know, I'd done Ed McMahon Star Search back in the early 90s. I'd won three shows while I was on there and nothing came from that. And had done all these other talent contests, you know, the Marlboro, you know, the showdown or whatever those different ones were. But it never panned out for me. And I said, I'm not going to go to do this thing today. I'm, just, you know, I, but besides, you know, I thought that you're going to be sequestered in this house for like nine or ten weeks. And I thought, well, man, you know, how are we going to pay the bills if I'm off work for two months? I didn't know they were going to pay us to be on the show. But uh, my wife, I hung up. My wife called me back and said, you know, we we left Texas to come here for you to get a deal, and if we don't try everything, you know, if we don't turn over every stone, then we might as well pack up and head on back to Dallas and. I got off the phone and said, okay, I'm going to go audition. And I, I think I stood in line for I don't know, 10 or 12 hours or whatever. And I finally got into the, to the building <laughs> where you could actually get into a line and, and start singing uh, for people. And you got like 30 seconds uh, to sing in front of two judges. And there's this big pipe and drape thing set up. So there might be Elvis on your left that you could hear through the curtain, Patsy Clown on your right. And you're trying to sing and concentrate on what you're doing and then trying to, to you know, uh, blot them out uh so it was kind of hectic and i went i can't remember exactly how many um, rounds i went through but i finally made it to the city finals and i won the nashville finals and then um lo and behold on a, a couple of weeks later or whatever they had a the regional and i actually lost to one of the gals that i beat in the city finals she beat me in the uh uh um in, in the the regionals amy chapel and uh, so I, I thought, well, man, it's over with. And I got home and I remember uh, one of the producers called me and said, hey, um, 
you know, we got a the executive producer George for sure is going to give you a call in a little bit, and we want a tee, we want a camera crew there to get your reaction. You know, we've decided to keep twelve contestants to not ten, and uh, you know, he, you can't ask him any questions. He just wants to call you and talk to you for a second, and then hang up. We want to get your reaction. And they sent the crew over. George comes in and and sits down, and and um, or no, he's calling me. And the crew's there filming me, and. Um, he goes to this, yeah, man, really appreciate you being part of the show and, you know, the whole thing where you know he's going to go. And, yeah, anyway, thanks. Maybe try next year. And he goes, and I hate to inform you, but you made the show. And I just, uh, just one of the most incredible moments of my life. You know, I think I said, wow, somebody finally said yes. I think that's what my comment was. Wow. That just gave me chills. <laughs> The fact that you waited out in line for 10 to 12 hours, you should auto, everyone should get on the show. <laughs> I mean, that's just, you know, it's a testament to your commitment. And, and I, I really, I'm, I'm sure you know how lucky you are to have your wife who was yeah. like, look, I believe in you so much that you really need to do this because this is, we came out here for you because you have this God given talent that you're meant to use and share. And, and so you're very blessed to have her in your corner and I'm sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So what was it like? Okay. You get on the show and you're there for nine weeks and, and luckily you said you got paid. So that was a load off your mind. What was yeah. the whole process like? And then Leading up to the moment where you found out that you won the show, what was that like? Well, the whole process was really interesting. It was like, um, you know, American Idol was only a year old at that time. So this was their second season, National Stars first. And really early on in the, you know, the, the genre of, you know, reality television, there weren't very many reality shows on, maybe four or five. But National Stars is a combination of Big Brother, Survivor, and American Idol. <laughs> And uh, and it was kind of crazy. There were 12, 12 of us living in this big house down on Music Row. And um, I, they, they, I found out later on they were really hoping that by us being that close uh, with each other every day that there'd be a lot more fights and arguments and stuff like that. But the crazy thing was is we all kind of bonded and um, because we we all knew that the other people in the house had worked just as hard and, and, and been trying for, for a long time to to have this something like this happen to them. So whenever they vote somebody off, you know, you, you're actually really kind of bummed out, you know, simply happy it wasn't you, but you hate to see somebody you really like leave the show. Um, but every Saturday night, you know, they did a live, uh, they, they booted somebody off live, you know, the TV shows was filmed live and broadcast live. And so I thought, you know, I was the oldest person on the show. You know, I thought Miranda Lambert or another, there was a guy, Jamie Garner, I'm still good friends with, looks like an underwear model. I thought, oh, you know, he's going to, you know, if they, one of them will win it. And there was no one more surprised than me um, that I stayed on every week. And then we got to a point where uh, I was able to sing the song I'd written about my daughter, Help Her Out the Rain, Lacey's song. And that, I think that kind of turned the tide my way uh, more than anything else because, um, I remember my wife calling me and, and saying, hey, you, you're not going to believe this, but our little website keeps crashing. I'll download like 10,000 messages and, and then it, it's boom, it's down. And then it, I get it to come back up and then another 10,000. But then she said, it's just been happening like this for a couple, you know, for like an hour or so. So I realized I'd written a hit song. I didn't know I'd written a hit song. 
And um, but that song has been such a um, uh, a blessing to me and my family. And uh, it's kind of a bittersweet thing for me because uh, people uh, it's used at a lot of funerals and especially for families that have lost a, 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 a child. It seems to really impact them a lot. And so I, although I'm glad I got a hit song, it's, you know, a little tough knowing, you know, that that's one of the reasons that, that it's so popular. But I grew to realize that, you know, God was using it as a, a small part of the healing process for a lot of folks. So I'm able to appreciate that a little more. Yeah. But yeah, when they announced my name, it's just, I, I, I couldn't believe it. I just I, like this huge weight came off my shoulders. And um, because I really was, I, I, by, by that point, it was down to myself and John Arthur Martinez. They'd, they'd voted off Miranda in like a, a commercial before. And uh, I remember he and I standing there, and it's all kind of a blur. You know, it's kind of like the first time I played the Grand Ole Opry. I, I still don't really remember how much about walking on stage and all that. But it was what a blessing. I, I don't think I'd ever gotten a record deal that hadn't been for Nashville Star, and I'm forever grateful for, for the opportunities that they afforded me. Well, and Buddy, I think one of the most impressive things about that run that you have, and I remember it very well as you're, as you're bringing up some of these memories, I remember sitting there and, and, and watching every week and, and cheering you on from, I lived in Illinois at the time. And I, I think one of the things that I really remember, and you just kind of touched on it, is the relatability of your songs and your voice. And you just had a way of connecting that was really magical. And I think that's why so many people, when they had the opportunity to cast a vote or, you know, to, to really do whatever they could to help support you, they did in huge, huge numbers because you were so relatable and, and it was just really magical. Well, I, um, I can't take credit for any of that stuff. I, I, I didn't, uh, I had no idea that, that all that was going on in their minds, obviously. And, um, but sure, grateful for it. If, if anybody was ever grateful to the fans for their record deal, it's me. Uh, they elected me my record deal yeah. you know and uh but just to know that that it did have that uh that i came and i came across as genuine and hopefully i still do um but i just think people got to know us on that show better than they did in subsequent seasons uh they the 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 uh, producers directors whatever had did a great job of letting people get to know the artist yeah. uh behind the scenes on the show and uh that helped a lot um, but there again, it's, it's, it was a God thing. I, I tell people all the time, I, I believe God loves me enough. He loves you enough too, that he'd create a little TV show to get me a record deal. If that's the only way I was going to get one. And I think he had a, a big hand in doing that. I, I like that. Um, you guys stayed true to yourselves and didn't cave to the sensationalism of reality television because I know that they want that, like you said, they, they hope for that because people do engage more when there is drama, yeah. unfortunately. But I think you definitely come across as someone who really is so comfortable in your own skin and so comfortable just being you. And, and that's why people gravitate toward you. They sense that, that you just really are living your truth and well, I, have to, I have to chuckle when you, <laughs> when you say that I am scared every time I go on stage, I'm as nervous as I can be. I, I mean, thousands of times I've taken the stage, but um, I am so nervous that I don't want to go out there and do the best job I can, but it's, it's great to hear you say that I'm comfortable in my own skin. 
Well, um, I mean that from the way of, you know, I'm sure, you know, I, I can understand that you get nervous, but what I mean is, is that you're not willing to compromise your values for the business. Well, and that's, uh, um, I'm sure that hasn't, that's probably hurt me in, in the past. And, um, but there again, you know, if, if you can't be who you are, then you don't be happy at what you're doing. I, I tell people all the time that, you know, if, if you're a, a blues singer and they're trying to turn you into a bluegrass singer and that's not really what you're all about. And, you know, you have, you feel this drive to be the blues singer, then you shouldn't try to become something that you can't be that, that you're not comfortable with being. And so that's been, um, one of the great things for me is, is I've been able to do that and, and, uh, and stay, you know, stand by my, my faith. And, and I've, you know, I'm human. I've, I've made tons of mistakes and, and done a lot of dumb things, you know, but um, still, I wouldn't have it any other way. How important is your faith in this whole process? Well, I, it's got to be, it's everything. You know, I um, I remember specifically getting down on my knees. We were, we were buying a house out in a, a suburb in, in Nashville. And um, I was kind of going through that period where I would had another rejection from another label. And I remember getting out down on my knees in my uh, living room. And just saying, God, you know, if this if this is what you want, if you don't want me to have a deal, then that's fine. You know, just help me to uh, be content with it. And it, if if all you want me to do is sing demos, and I just want to best be the best demo singer that that I can be, and um, I just had to turn it over to him. It was all in his hands anyway, and I really didn't have any control over it. But um, and I don't. My wife and I talk about it all the time. I don't see how people make it through this world, especially the one we're living in right now, without some sort of relationship with Jesus Christ. And um, it's, um, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't know how people make it, how they do it, but uh, I praise God. He's, he's kept me. He's always been faithful to me and oh. I continue to be everybody else too. I, I agree with everything you just said. Yeah. And it's, it's, I'll tell you, buddy, one thing when, when you mentioned earlier about, you know, God had that plan and that television show to get you that record deal. And it's 20 years. Right. And, and that record deal, like you put that you put that together and put that out very quickly with but some incredible songs on that album. And in fact, just a few weeks ago, uh, 20th anniversary of Sweet Southern Comfort and a remake of the song with Clint Black, who uh, Clint produced the album right back at the original album. Sure did. Yeah, he sure did. Yeah. And uh, Bellamy Brothers and Marty Raybon. And I mean, how special was that to get together with them and, and redo the song that was such an amazing song all those years ago? You know, I, um, after it all come together, I, it, it, it dawned on me, wow, these guys actually think enough of me to say, yeah, we'll, we'll jump in on this project with you and do this. I mean, they didn't have to say yes. And, and uh, Clint was the first one I asked because I, I felt like, you know, he he's a big part of, uh, of why the first two songs were big hits for me. And, he, and that album did so well. And so, I, you know, just naturally I wanted to get Clint involved. And he said yes immediately. He's been, been a great friend. And, uh, just a great guy, you know, for the past 20 years. And I, um, I, um, I had soft Clint Black. He's a great dude. I am. Um, Marty is one of the finest um, men I've ever met. He's a great Christian guy and loves the Lord and, and, uh, 
and that comes through, you know, just being around him and through his music. And I was really um, flattered that uh, that David Howard agreed to be on the, the record with me. I I had met them in passing a couple of times, but I opened a show for him in uh, Marion, North Carolina, last August, and uh, got to spend a little time with, uh, on their bus after the show, talking to them. And we came, we decided to do this thing in December. Uh, the the executive producer was saying, "Well, who can we get? Who you you know who's some people that you think would do this with you, or you'd like to have on it?" And I thought, well, I mean, all they can do is tell me no. And so <laughs> I was I was pleasantly surprised that, that they said, yeah, we'll do it. And uh, they've been just super. So I'm, I'm so blessed to have those guys. And I didn't even plan this, but as it turns out, it's four, four decades of country music. You know, Howard and Dave were from the 70s. You know, Marty really from uh, the 80s and Clint from the 90s and me the early 2000s. So it's uh, it made it extra special. Buddy, what have you got coming up for the rest of the year? Oh my gosh, I am so busy. Praise God, I'm, I'm <laughs> all over the world. Yeah, I've um, I got a bunch of trips to Europe, Scandinavia, and and uh, all over. I'm going to God willing, I'm, I'll be in the Faroe Islands uh, in June, August. I'm in Denmark and Sweden. September, I'm in uh, uh, Ireland, and in uh, October, Spain, Austria, and Germany, and then tons of uh, shows around uh, the United States. So just, um, I'm, I'm so blessed. 20 years later, I get to stick a cowboy hat on and sing and people still pay me for it. So <laughs> I'm trying to, and I'm trying to put together, I'm trying to, to write and put in, put together a, a, some kind of album, whether I wouldn't call this my greatest hits or whatever, but something to, uh, to kind of put the, the new version of Sweet Southern Comfort on and a couple of other songs that We've recorded that never never been released, and and you know I'm, I'm not in a huge hurry to get that done, but I'm hoping by the end of the year I've got enough material together we can actually get a record put together. Well, that's great, and we wish you the best of luck on your tour and on the new album, and we really really appreciate you coming and talking to us. I I often say to Bill, well, we say to each other, the best part of this really is getting to know people like you. Just down-to-earth people who just happen to be ridiculously talented. So thank you for joining us. And folks, thank you for tuning in. And we'll see you next week.